Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Kicking Out or Two. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this week's show as uh, we're going to be bringing you a special two-for-one watch party of two matches that really stood out and really were the talk of this very unique Wrestlemania that we got to uh, be a part of earlier this year. And I'm talking about the, uh, the Boneyard match with AJ Styles and Undertaker and the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena and Bray Wyatt. Um, both of these matches very unique in its own right. Um, they, they were part of the very cinematic approach that WWE was giving us for Wrestlemania. Um, you know, WWE had to kind of um, shake things up a little bit and uh, really, you know, think outside the box. And they went with the, the more cinematic approach to entertain us during this WrestleMania due to the coronavirus pandemic, um, forcing them to uh, to, to not only um, uh, postpone WrestleMania in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium, but forcing them to pre-record uh, WrestleMania um, over two nights uh, from the WWE Performance Center in front of an empty uh, building. So um, these two matches were the big talk of the uh, the WrestleMania weekend. Um, there was an overwhelming positive um, uh, discussion regarding the Boneyard match, and then there was some kind of mixed reviews regarding the Funhouse match. I saw a little more positive than negative, but um, you know, based off of last week's show when we did the WCW Saturday Night Watch Along from June the nineteenth, nineteen ninety three, that show consisted of the the underground cult classic Beach Blast ninety three mini movie, um, WCW's cinematic approach to professional wrestling. Um, I thought, uh, you know, while while we were doing that watch along, I was saying to myself in, in my head, like, you know, well, maybe maybe we kind of continue this cinematic approach and, and kind of circle things back to the current uh, product. Now, uh, you know, as we all know, this is a retro podcast. I do a lot of stuff from the past uh, regarding my wrestling fandom. And so... Um, in this instance here, this week, I'm ditching the retro format and gonna kind of you know stay current uh, as we watch both of these matches from start to finish on WWE Network. Um, and uh, you know there was an overwhelming positive response when it came down to um, you know the the cinematic approach that WWE took on our social media. I'd asked that question and uh, not not long after WrestleMania, what everyone thought of the Firefly Funhouse match, and most people really enjoyed it. Um, same thing with the Boneyard match. So. Uh, um, I'm glad that, uh, you know, the listeners of Kicking Out at Two um, really enjoyed what WWE had presented us during this time of uncertainty uh, with those two respective matches. And speaking of our social media, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two. You can hit that like button if you haven't already. If you have hit the like button, you can tell as many friends as possible. There's no limit. Tell as many friends as possible to hit the like button and join us in the fun that we have over there. Um, same thing goes for our Twitter. Our handle's at KickinOut2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. Um, <clears throat> links to archive shows, pictures, GIFs, memes, all kinds of great fun stuff that embodies my fandom as a retro pro wrestling fan. You can find them on both Facebook and Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, um, as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find Retromania with a W on Facebook and Twitter. Retromania on Facebook um, has all the links to archive shows from the Retromania Network, including Kicking Out at Two, as well as Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Hulkamania is Dead, Origin of attitude and other great bonus content you can also find that stuff on their twitter page at retromania pod you can find the retromania pro wrestling podcast network <clears throat> excuse me 
on multiple podcast platforms. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, um, all kinds of great podcast platforms by searching Retromania with a W. All of the backlog archive shows of Kicking Out of Two, as well as all the other great shows I mentioned on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network are all over there by searching Retromania with a W. You can find any podcast that's evergreen. It, it, it will feel current and fresh if you start it from beginning to end. Kobe does a great job with um, the 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 lineup of shows that are over there um, and all the great bonus content trying to make it fun for all of you that listen so uh, yeah go over there and check it out um, and let's get into it let's do this man let's let's have a little fun um, with these two matches that we're going to be watching um, you can search you can go to your WWE Network and you can search Boneyard match for AJ Styles and Undertaker and uh, that's the first one we're gonna watch so uh, find that um, you can search it in the you know like I said you can just search Boneyard match or you can search Wrestlemania part one from this year Wrestlemania 36 and you can scroll all the way to the last match which is the Boneyard match with Undertaker and AJ Styles um, that match runs roughly about 30 something minutes or so or 27 minutes I want to say I'm not I, I forget to be quite honest with you but uh, we'll watch that from start to finish uh, make sure your, your your television is on mute so you can hear my running commentary I might put the audio up from time to time I'm not sure um, depending on the situation but we're going to watch that and then uh, we'll watch the Funhouse match and I'll have the audio up for a fair amount of that because there's some references there um, with, with some of the verbiage that I think uh, some of you guys might like um, when I say you know hit when I say play you're gonna hit play so I'll give you a countdown five four three two one hit play you'll hit play keep the television on mute I'll put the audio up on my end from time to time I'll give you a heads up and uh, we'll be we'll be off to the races so without further or do um, in five, four, three, two, one, hit play. Scene opening up here, showing the uh, the, the 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 graveyard um, with the, the the headstones and the very murky, dark, desolate graveyard as we see a hearse pulling up um, to the graveyard now from what I gather um, upon doing a little bit of research here um, the uh, this match took well it took they had they had to film this on, on a remote location um, they had they couldn't obtain a permit to film in a graveyard in the Orlando Florida area so they had to find a remote location to film and um, it took them about four or five days to actually set up the um, the actual graveyard setting with all those headstones and the, the barn that you'll eventually see. And look what we got here, AJ Styles in the casket. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was pretty cool, um, the way he had entered and, uh, you know, in the back of the hearse inside that casket. Um his arrival into this match i thought this was pretty cool the smoke you know you see um it's um it's certainly you know the graphic there just his name on the side like the the, the production quality of this is just amazing it's absolutely amazing i love it um he's uh, sounds like he's uh he can he can hear um undertaker's arrival let's play the audio for this 
that was the Undertaker's um, arrival into this boneyard. And it looks like here we have a, uh, a hybrid uh, Undertaker, a mixture of the, um, the American Badass and the Dead Man, uh, which I thought was a cool touch for this match. Um, and here we see the burial plot. Obviously, the rules of this match is very similar to the old Buried Alive matches, except uh, during this time period, they probably didn't want to market it as a Buried Alive match due to the fact that, you know, the, the coronavirus pandemic at that time had um, taken so many lives worldwide that... Um, it was probably in poor taste to uh, to market the match as that. So uh, they just kind of left it very open-ended, which I thought was a good part of the buildup because uh, you didn't really know what a Boneyard match was. Uh, but um, I kind of had a feeling. Um, I've always been a big fan of like when they do you know matches, like gimmick matches where it's like street fights or no disqualifications where guys like don't normally dress up in their, their, their wrestling attire their gear um aj styles wearing a pair of jeans with his you know oc t-shirt and undertaker looking very different like i said um kind of a mix between the dead man and the biker but um kind of has that you know goth look to him um the the black and the the the, the leather um and uh what do we got here looks like we got some sort of little mini pipe of sorts um oh Pulled a Goldberg there, shattering the glass and ooh, cutting his arm up pretty good. Um, yeah, that was uh, reminiscent of that time that Goldberg tried to punch out the window to go after the NWO and he uh, he, he severed an artery, <laughs> virtually severed an artery in his arm, um, almost losing feeling in his arm uh, and, and full mobility of it because of it. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so far so good here when it comes to uh, this uh, Boneyard match. Um, Undertaker was was very vocal during this during this uh, this match. A lot of shit talking to AJ, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, got to see a little bit more of a personality from him. Uh, he's you know very monotone and you know doesn't uh, do a whole lot of talking. It's just a rest in peace. But this time around, you, you know, we got a little bit more of a personality from him, which I thought added to the presentation of this Boneyard match. Um, you know, uh, the, going into this match at the time, before things got crazy, before WrestleMania was altered and changed um, from venues, um I had some. I had. You know, I'm a, I have a soft spot for Undertaker. Um, a lot of people say he probably should have hung up a few, hung up the boots a few years ago, and it's it's hard to make a case against that. Um, but in this setting here, um, they really, you know, pre-recording and and the cinematic approach, they played to Undertaker's strengths. Um, you know, all the bells and whistles they had here with the, the smoke and mirrors and the hocus pocus stuff. I mean, it really um, helped add a different dimension to the Undertaker character, I feel like. Um, and some people have said that, you know, maybe this is how Undertaker matches should be filmed moving forward. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think that that should be an edict moving forward. Um, I would imagine, you know, he would want to be out in front of an audience. I would imagine an audience would want him to, you know, perform in front of them. Um, so does this match open the possibility of, you know, this, this type of a match, I should say, open up the possibility of seeing... Um, 
Undertaker and Sting in this type of setting because everyone has talked about it till we're blue in the face. Um, Undertaker and Sting is the dream match. Um, it's probably the last match that Sting feels he needs to have, and it's probably the last match that Undertaker um, can add to his you know many um, many accolades in his career. Does he need it? No. Uh, would he would he like it? I don't know. I don't know what he would want. Um, I would like to see it as a fan because it's probably one of the last true dream matches, uh, one of the very few in wrestling history. Um, I know a, a lot of other fans wouldn't want to see it based on the match quality, um, especially um, following the uh, the um, the match he had with Goldberg in Saudi Arabia last year. But um, oh, we got some visitors, Gallows and Anderson. Uh, members of the OC backing up AJ Styles. Um, but I think in this cinematic fashion, pre-recorded, all the bells and whistles, all the hocus pocus stuff, him and Sting could do something pretty memorable given their limit, their, their, their limitations physically, um, given their age. Um, I think they could do something that would be um, acceptable to the fan base today. Um, I really do. Now, I also think I, I, I would I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I also wouldn't mind seeing them perform in front of an audience inside an arena, either, because um, I think the audience would help make um, a moment for Sting and Undertaker, even if they're you know they have limitations physically. I still think the audience would 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 help in making a, a good presentation between you know Undertaker and Sting, but. This match here definitely opens the door for the, the two of them to do something down the line. Undertaker taking out these Druids and now Gallows and Anderson getting involved. Uh, I'm kind of glad Gallows and Anderson were involved in this. Um, you know, I like them as a team. I think they um, they haven't had a, a, a fair shake in WWE since they, they debuted. Um, they were with AJ for a little bit. Um, then they really kind of faded off they've had a couple of runs with the titles but they weren't really anything special or memorable um then they paired them up with finn balor and i thought oh they're gonna do something with them and you know bring another version of the club i guess you could say and that didn't last very long um i thought that they were gonna really run with that with those with those um with those three, especially given the fact that they were kind of in like a torch passing moment on that Raw 25 episode with DX, but uh, that didn't happen. Um, and then, uh, you know, they, they kind of faded off into obscurity. And then with the, the advent of AEW, oh, hey now, from behind, AJ Styles nailing The Undertaker with a, you know, if it was a cinder block or if it was, oh, it looks like it was a tombstone of sorts. Um, but yeah, with the advent of AEW, there were a lot of rumors within the last year or so that Gallows and Anderson were going to jump ship once their deals expired and go go play with their friends. And they eventually stayed with WWE. And I, from what I heard, um, a big part of them staying had a lot to do with AJ Styles. Um, he had went to management and um, they offered him a new deal. And he, in his new deal, um, I don't know if it's, I don't know how true it is, but apparently he had lobbied hard for, 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 uh, for pairing him up with them. 
on television and making them like a, a, a unit, a faction, if you will. And that was a big part of why he stayed. Um, and that was also a big part of why those guys stayed as well. So um, I think uh, it's been beneficial to Gallows and Anderson and AJ. I like them as a unit. Um, I hope they, they, they keep them around. And it's not one of those things where um, they move off AJ into a singles role and those two guys do nothing. Um, I would like to see them more involved in the tag team picture, that's for sure. But uh, being with AJ certainly helps their stock, makes them relevant on television. Um, and I enjoyed their role in this match here, um, albeit it was brief. Ooh, right through the barn. Uh, AJ Styles kind of football tackling Undertaker through that, that set there. Um, like I said, it took them, I heard, like four to five days to set all this stuff up between those, those with the lights and even like this, like I said, that barn, this like, you know, structure um, that they put up there, um, the, 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 the graveyard. Um, and it, it took them about eight hours to shoot. There's pictures online that show, you know, pictures behind the scenes of these guys, you know, bullshitting in between takes. But um, from what I've heard, um, Michael Hayes and Triple H and Jeremy Borash were a big part of the production aspect of this. Um, but Undertaker and AJ Styles kind of threw their their two cents in and um, had, you know, input in how this was produced. But for the most part, everything that they did, like in terms of moves and the physicality, like, from what I understand, that was all called on the fly between the two of them. It was a lot of improvising, uh, which, you know, is is almost unheard of in today's wrestling. Everything is move for move, spot for spot. You know, you go here, I'll do this, you do that. And they, you know, all these guys, from what I've heard, um, you know, plan out their matches like step by step. In this instance here, um, they didn't have to do that. Um, Undertaker and AJ Styles just kind of... Um, went on feel and I don't know if there was a time limit that they were given I don't know how many times that they cut in between takes um, to be honest with you I don't know all those details but I know that um, in the, the pre-recorded um, nature of this production here um, I would imagine that they had to um, retake some shots or um, stop filming so that they can get in position for you know how they wanted the story depicted so um and and, it, and it certainly helped the presentation for them doing that as we see whoo undertaker in the grave now courtesy of a a shovel shot from aj styles and it looks like uh that that tractor that backhoe um holding the dirt there is going to be what what signals uh styles to victory as uh looks like we're seeing uh we're seeing him climb that backhoe now um getting ready to uh put the end um or put an end i should say to the undertaker um and it was during this match too when i was watching especially with my wife where like i was kind of expecting and oh there we see there we see He's back, Undertaker. How did he get out of the hole? How did he get behind AJ? How did, how is that even possible? 
Um, that's the beauty of this uh, cinematic presentation. Um, I was kind of hoping that we would get like an appearance from Kane, maybe, uh, because AJ had OC and those druids kind of helping him with Undertaker. I was kind of hoping we would get like Kane make an appearance to stop AJ or even Sting. Um, I know that's a little far fetched, but I was really kind of hoping that uh, that uh, Sting would help um, Undertaker um, thwart off AJ Styles and the OC. And uh, in, in a promo leading up to this match, um, which was probably one of Undertaker's best promos of his entire career, in my opinion. He talked about bringing the Holy Trinity um, with him to the, the Boneyard match. And um, that's where my wheels started turning. It's like, oh, maybe we'll get an appearance from Kane. Maybe Sting will help Undertaker. Maybe this is how we get the Sting and Undertaker. The mark in me wants to see it for sure. Oh, look at that. We got flames. We got flames. Undertaker using his, his power of the dark side against AJ Styles and... Uh, I'm fighting off Gallows and Anderson now on top of the roof of this this barn, if you will. Um, another right hand by Undertaker to... Oh, here we go. What's he going to do here? He's got Gallows, and Gallows is going to go for a ride off the roof. That's uh, I think that's felony assault right there. Um, Undertaker going to lift up Anderson and... Boom! Tombstone on top of this uh, this structure here. Um, now, to be quite honest with you, I heard I've heard conflicting reports that WWE built this structure, this barn, so to speak. But I also have heard that this was already in place on this, you know, empty land, if you will, um, that they had uh, they had rented out and had uh, turned into like this uh, th this graveyard of sorts. Um, Oh, this is going to be cool here. Looks like Undertaker is uh, sending AJ up for a ride. Um, talking a lot of shit to him uh, as he goes up and down into that uh, that hole uh, with that broken uh, wooden fence underneath him. Yeah, this is pretty cool here. Just the whole production of it. I just love it. I, I can't find anything wrong with how they how they did this and how they really made up for um, the you know, you know the, the the WrestleMania not being taking place in a stadium in front of fans. Like this was to me, uh, it made it, it, this match made night one. That's for sure. Um, my wife watched it with me and she was not. She wasn't unimpressed with the performances it was just hard to watch without there being fans there and reacting to those guys performances but when this came on she looked at me and you know like i said she's a casual fan but she looked at me and she just said she said you know this is um she was the best thing about the whole night um and uh she re she really enjoyed this match uh and in the past she's been critical of undertaker matches because of you know his his limited ability now at his age due to all his injuries um and she's even said you know oh man like he should you know retire he should hang it up but uh she she certainly wasn't echoing that statement as we were watching this match she was like this is actually really good i remember her saying um so uh this this is a good part here he's just kind of oh hoisting aj up leading him to the uh the 
the six-foot grave, if you will, the hole that he plans to uh, drop him in. Let's play some audio here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? What are you sorry for? Tell me what you sorry for. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Don't go over there. I'm over here. Your ribs hurt, don't they? Come on, buddy. Come on. Get him. Undertaker just toying with him. I thought that was a nice touch, you know, kind of reminding him. And oh, there you go, boot right into the grave. One last shot for good measure. AJ lying helpless in that grave as we see Undertaker looking over his victim and getting ready to. Uh, to put an end to the phenomenal AJ Styles here. And I'll be honest with you, um, you know, Undertaker and AJ, um, like I said, I was looking forward to seeing what they were gonna do in a ring because I felt like AJ could have brought the best out of Undertaker. Um, and from what I gather, an interview with Kurt Angle not long after this WrestleMania, he revealed that Undertaker had spoken to him privately, mentioning how disappointed he was in his performance with Goldberg at the Saudi Arabia show, and he wanted to redeem himself. And Kurt Angle said, wrestle AJ Styles, he'll give you a really damn good match. And it was Undertaker who went to management and said, I want to wrestle AJ Styles. Originally... That match was supposed to take place at that super showdown in uh, in in February, as we see Undertaker removing the uh, the 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 grass clippings off of the the tombstone. There he is, AJ Styles. Rest in peace, 1977 to 2020. Nice touch there at the end with uh, AJ's hand. Um, poking out of the grave uh, but originally they were supposed to face off at the super showdown event and aj had hurt his shoulder in the royal rumble match and so they kind of had to push that back um <clears throat> and then they decided to move it back to this wrestlemania um i don't know what kind of match they were going to have um at this wrestlemania um, had to take place inside of a stadium but uh this was a blessing in disguise for aj and undertaker um as we see here, Undertaker you know, on his motorcycle, 
uh, the, the purple symbol, uh, almost like the bat symbol from Batman, uh, up against the barn with the, the flames. And we see Undertaker leaving the graveyard um, with the credits on the, the bottom right, the lower third, if you will, as I like to call it in the television industry. Undertaker riding off into the sunset to end the Boneyard match from night one of WrestleMania. Um, like I said, overall, I thought this, that match was a great match. It was a great way to end that night. They really made up for WrestleMania not being in a stadium and, you know, being in the performance center. And then this match here, like it was just, it, it, it took away from the reality that we were facing at that time with the coronavirus pandemic. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was thumbs up across the board um, from all wrestling fans. I don't think I heard one negative complaint about Undertaker, AJ Styles, and the Boneyard match um, from night one of WrestleMania. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, the second cinematic masterpiece from this past year's WrestleMania, and I'm talking about the Firefly Funhouse match between John Cena and Bray Wyatt. Um, you can go to your WWE Network and you can search WrestleMania 36 Part Two. And you can scroll down and find the Firefly Funhouse match. Um, or you can just search Firefly Funhouse match and automatically it will bring you to it. Um, that match runs about, I believe, like 13 or 14 minutes or so. Um, so uh, when I give you guys a countdown, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, hit play. Um, you'll hit play and uh, I'll give you a heads up from time to time when I'm going to turn on the audio for this uh, for this match because there'll be some points in time where I turn on the audio but before I do that um, let me just give you my take on the meaning behind this match and what this match portrayed um, you know this match to me now everyone as fans have different viewpoints and opinions on what it was and what it wasn't and whether it was good or whether it wasn't good. Um, you know, some people have even said, like, you don't know wrestling if you don't understand the meaning behind it. And it would take the real, like, diehard wrestling fans to understand, I think, some of the some of the uh, the, the one-liners and the, the, the lines that, you know, Bray Wyatt um, had uh, exhibited uh, when it came to John Cena's character um, and just the overall meaning behind each scene in this match. Um, to me, the, the Firefly Funhouse has always been like this illusion within the mind of Bray Wyatt. Um, and this illusion in his mind controlled the fears and insecurities of John Cena. And when John Cena um, would try to right that wrong in this funhouse, Bray had the control over him. And, you know, Bray would use Cena's own fears and insecurities and his own words against him. And you'll see that throughout the course of this. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain further in detail as we watch... Um, as we watch the um, the the match, so uh, you know, give you guys a countdown. When I say play, hit play, and we'll be on with it. So, without further ado, in five, four, three, two, one, hit play. As we see the inside of the performance center, John Cena, 
looking to make his entrance and here he is um, and you know when I first watched this I was trying to figure out well you know what's what's the funhouse match they're in the empty you know performance center so how is this going to be a funhouse match and in very short fashion you'll see here um, you know just how they 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 brought it to our attention that this was a funhouse match as we see the the distorting of the the clips here the old wrestlemania um intros from vince and mean gene Oakland. and it is the firefly funhouse match we go to the graphic here and this is where this is where things get really interesting let's play the audio There's another world that exists beyond our realm of comprehension. A world where our darkest urges are no longer kept secret. A world where gods, monsters, angels, and demons are neighbors. <laughs> Who are we really? And why? Do we do the things that we do? Hey, John, let's take a real deep look at who you really are. You're about to face your most dangerous opponent yet. Yourself! <laughs> Welcome to the Firefly Funhouse! <laughs> And there we see Cena entering this uh, this Firefly Funhouse in the dark. And like like I said, this was all about Bray and his character finding all the insecurities of John Cena, both personally and professionally, and using them against him in his fight in this Firefly Funhouse match. Like he said, the biggest opponent you're going to face is yourself, uh, which. Um, Know, there's a, a lot of meaning to it now this here is that that vince mcmahon puppet that is seen from time to time in some of the funhouse skits and this here scene is depicting the moment in time where allegedly behind the scenes vince mcmahon held the talent meeting um you know talking about uh you know who who wants it bad who wants to be the top guy who wants to be the next star you know um you know, has anybody got the guts to stand up and say, I want to do it? And um, allegedly Cena was that guy. Uh, Cena stood up and uh, 
had made it clear that he wants to be you know the top guy and from there on out that's where they kind of went with it now this scene here is where we're seeing a flashback that bray is reenacting of john cena's debut <clears throat> in wwe against kurt angle in june of 2002 uh, which many have seen and looked at as a failure of cena's uh, some have looked at it as a positive but uh for the you know this wasn't the john cena you know we had all come to know and love or hate um as uh cena is in his his old ring gear uh when he had you know made his debut the the wrestling boots the short trunks knee pads um and so, like I said, some have looked at this debut as a failure for him. And this is what Bray is, is, is kind of exploiting here in this scene is that, you know, that your debut was a failure, which was an insecurity of John Cena's. Because um, if some of you have watched that Ruthless Aggression documentary on the network, which, by the way, I suggest you do. Uh, it's some pretty good stuff. It's like a five-part season. Um you know, they the one there's one episode dedicated to John Cena and Cena talks about how um you know he uh <laughs> he had uh um he had thought he was going to be fired. Um, he was on the he was on the cut list around Christmas time, apparently, um, and things went downhill after this debut with Kurt Angle. And so Bray is kind of you know making light of that in this situation here. And we, <laughs> Mister McBoss Man and Macho Mercy. <laughs> oh, this is great stuff here. The Saturday Night's main event. Let's <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll play that in in, in just a second here. Um, but yeah, that was. Um, that was that that scene there was Bray exploiting the fact that Cena's debut was internally to Cena looked at as a failure and even to some of his colleagues. This here Brothers, my tag team partner is such a physical specimen, you can't help but worship him. Why? Because that's what being a stud is all about. This represents here is the narrative that a lot of fans and you know people behind the scenes have have felt was the the business model of WWE for a long time that you know your talent in ring didn't mean anything and you just needed to have a good look and muscles in order for you to succeed which was a model that many suggest was 
patterned by Hulk Hogan at one point and Cena kind of took that approach and the company took that approach with him and Bray exploiting that aspect of John Cena's character here um, as we transition into what looks to be the Doctor of Thugonomics version of John Cena, the the rap character that he um, that really helped get people to notice him more in WWE. Um, Bray looks to Bray looks here to be exposing that aspect um, of John Cena um, and the rap career that he had tried to launch during that time period. Um, Cena had worked on a couple of rap albums. I think WWE even produced a rap album. I know my brother bought the CD, um, and there was probably one song on it I liked, uh, but for the most part, um, that was looked at as a failure and something that Cena had recognized as a, a low point in his professional career at least that's what how bray feels that bray feels like cena um sees the, sees his rap career as a low point in his uh in, in his professional um in his professional life but uh this is another one of those fears and insecurities that bray is trying to um relay to the audience here that john cena felt um but at the same time you could also make the argument that the rap career um, or the rap version of John Cena was what helped get people to notice him and make him um, a bigger star than he was. Uh, but I think it's, I think the storytelling so far into this is very well done. Um, the way that it, it was portrayed and depicted um, with all these things that, you know, Publicly, people know or think they know about John Cena when it comes to his personal life as well as his professional life. Um, all the rumor and innuendo, as they like to say, on the dirt sheets regarding John Cena and holding people back and, you know, John Cena not having enough talent or ability to be in the spot that he's in. He's only there for good looks and his debut falling short and being a failure. It's just, it was one of those things that, like, to me, um, <clears throat> I thought that was the genius in the presentation of this was that they were they were addressing all the things that we as fans felt were whether they were true or not, you know, had come to light. Um, some some of us felt it was true, some of us didn't hear. Um, but they were they were bringing it to light and making it a part of this match and this presentation. And I just thought it was just it was genius. Um, <clears throat> The, the the bag of nuts on your face and Cena going for Bray and every time he tries to right this wrong Bray is just one step ahead of him as you can see here and using his own words and his fears against him um, you see Bray knocking out John Cena um, oh and here we go this is this was a part of now this scene here this was the original incarnation of the Bray Wyatt character within WWE. And it was red hot and many, you know, this is a big part of this current storyline that took place was that the match at WrestleMania six years ago was, should have been the launching point of really making Bray Wyatt into a star. Not that he wasn't before, but um, here he's depicting the fact that you know cena could have done the right thing and really helped further along his career um and 
we didn't get that at this WrestleMania. Um, and he's kind of, in his mind, he's exposing the true colors of who John Cena really is as a person. Um, at least that's what Bray feels in character here. Um, and they kind of mentioned the, the, the spot in the, the WrestleMania match where Bray, um, <clears throat> you know, ha asks Cena to take his head off with the chair and, you know, you know, end this misery, um, you know, kill the monster, do what you do, what you're supposed to do. Um, and in that storyline at that time, six years ago, the, the idea was was that Bray Wyatt was trying to destroy the 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 good legacy of John Cena, as we see here, Bray holding up that chair, um, and now he's telling him to. Here, let's let's, let's listen to the audio. See, can't do it. Now this here, <laughs> this here is a fear that, or an insecurity that is alleged on the part of John Cena, um, the, the, this, this NWO tribute somewhat here with Bray pretending to be Eric Bischoff, um, is it's a it's it's a, a reminder of an insecurity apparently John Cena had felt when he was approached to change characters and turn heel, um, something that people look at as a failure within John um, because he didn't take the steps to evolve as a character as we see him you know clad in the NWO colors, um, with the t-shirt and the hat and the bandana and you know kind of um, the uh, I guess you could say um, this is kind of like paying homage to when the ultimate hero Hulk Hogan had turned bad and changed his character, um, which then this transitions into a significant part of the Nexus storyline with Cena. Um, here we see, see, we, see, we see all of Cena's failures um, in the last several years in that pic picture, but this here signifies um, to what many believe was his burial of the Nexus when Bray Wyatt, known as Husky Harris, was a part of that faction in 2010 um, when Cena uh, allegedly refused to do the job at SummerSlam. Um, but now we have The Fiend here with John Cena. Looks to be the the end of this Firefly Funhouse match here. And, you know, kudos to John Cena for... I know that he had a lot of input. I know Bray had a lot of input. I heard Bruce Pritchard had a lot of input in, in producing this whole thing. Um, but kudos to Cena for allowing them to bring a lot of these things to light, whether they were true or not. You know, some of them I do believe are true. I think some of them are just urban legend. There's a lot of speculation amongst fans and people within the business. Um, but uh, 
this is the official count here, uh, which a lot of fans didn't really buy into because there was no official referee and the bell never rang. And, but I just thought this was so well done. I thought this was... They had to make up for, for WrestleMania and not being in a stadium and not being in front of fans. And um, I think they did a great job with this too as well. Uh, I loved it. Um, it took me a little bit to process and understand it, but I loved it nonetheless. Um, I really did. And uh, it, it, it definitely made... There we see Titus O'Neil. Um, just no words, no words whatsoever. Um, when it comes to uh, what we just saw with the Firefly Funhouse, I think a lot of people felt the same way too. Um, and there you have it. That is the end of the uh, Firefly Funhouse watch party, uh, along with the Boneyard. We watched both matches. Uh, thank you also very much for joining me here. Um, like I said, I wanted to be able to relive the cinematic approach that, that WWE had given us with both the Boneyard and the Firefly Funhouse match and hope that some of you had an understanding as to what the meaning was behind that Funhouse match. I know there's a lot of different theories. A lot of people take different things from it, but that's what I took from it. And hopefully my theory, my explanation could make some sense to you guys as you're watching this. Next week, we bring back the Blind Date Diaries concept. That's right. We're going to be discussing uh, the Great American Bash 1990, the night that Sting defeated Ric Flair to become the World Heavyweight Champion um, from uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I've never watched that show before, so I'm going to sit down and watch that and give you guys a comprehensive recap, a blind date, if you will. Uh, give you my step-by-step, uh, my, my -step, uh, blow-by-blow, play-by-play um, accounts of this blind date. My first time watching the great american bash from start to finish i've seen the sting flare match but i've never seen the rest of the card so i'm looking forward to watching all of that with you is, is, is it going to be a good blind date does it deserve a second look do i give it another chance or is it a one and done and uh you know move on to the next page in the black book if you will uh you can find out next week um and with that being said, I think it is about that time that we officially put this show down for the three count, and we will see you all next week.